Hi friends, how's it going? Welcome back. I hope you're having a good day. If it's morning, afternoon, or evening. Two episodes in two weeks, one after another. So lucky that I get to do this. And I thank you for being here with me today. It is super cold and rainy and wet outside. I kind of feel like most of the East Coast is like this right now. And like, it's such a reminder that winter is coming and I'm like drinking tea all day. I'm actually currently drinking a pot of Masha's tea, amazing tea brand based out of Greenpoint, Brooklyn, but I'm drinking mint. She recently dropped these like single sachet tea bags and I just keep refilling my cup because I absolutely love it and it feels so warm and cozy, but like also refreshing because it's mint and I love mint weirdly enough right now. So yeah, I actually kind of think this season is going to be a tea season, not the season of the podcast, just in general, me drinking a lot of tea. I'm kind of like really wanting to get off of caffeine, not for any like reason in particular. I just think that when I'm drinking something like tea throughout the day, I'm like getting in my water intake at the same time as like feeling cozy. Whereas if I'm having a cup of coffee, I actually have to like double my water intake because it really dehydrates you. So it just doesn't work like that. Another thing I'm sure, well, I hope you've seen online my beautiful food combining wheels that are coming out into the world very soon. So crazy to think it's literally taken me and a group of incredible humans that have helped me with it almost two years to like bring this to life but I'm so happy they are finally gonna be out in the world and you can use them and I hope they help you. We'll talk a little bit about it more when they fully come out, but the original prototype that I do have was from like the 70s or the 60s. It doesn't even tell me when. And I was like, when I got my hands on this because a nutritionist and I who follow each other, his name is Joseph Mandelbaum. He is on Instagram. He's a raw nutritionist, but he actually sent me one of these because he and I kind of like share a similar interest in like sourcing vintage old wellness catalog type stuff. So he found one. I don't know where he found it, probably in a market somewhere. He actually never told me where he found it, but he sent it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, some people get myself included are so overwhelmed with the idea of food combining what do you do and all the charts you see online like it's not easy to understand and like dissect and i think that this wheel is a super helpful tool so again if you get your hands on one you'll see how it's really easy to kind of navigate and understand again like i literally put it on the wheel as well but this is not a Bible. This is not something that like you need to follow so strictly. It's only something to kind of like play around with and see if it helps you eliminating some foods when you're eating them together. It's like not like the be all end all. Just wanted to make that clear. What else is new? Nothing really. I'm going to Montreal for the first time since I was 18 next weekend for a very close friend of mine's bachelorette. I really hope that I get to fall in love with the city. I know it's wild that I have not been there in like, oh my God, I have not been there in 10 years. That's crazy. Yeah, I have not been there in 10 years and it's a really beautiful city in Canada and I just don't get how I have not been. But with that being said, I hope I like it because I hope then I will make more trips out there since it's so close. So I'll keep you posted on how that goes. So let's talk about today's episode because I am so happy I got to have this human on. She is an incredibly good friend of mine and she is one of the most talented designers that I know. And I'm not just saying that because we're friends. Like I am obsessed with all the work that she does. I'm sitting down with Tessa Forrest. So you may know her from Subliming. 
You may know her from Reset and Why, which by the way, we had Liz on the podcast a couple episodes ago. So you know I'm a huge fan of that account. Or you may know her from Atmos. We're gonna talk about everything. Um, we had so much to catch up on. So we literally briefly mentioned how like we get on the phone with each other at least once a week. If not, it's definitely bi-weekly calls and we kind of just vent and tell each other how our weeks have been going with work and life and all of that. She's a huge support system of mine. And yeah, I really hope this episode brings you some comfort and brings you some peace in your journey, whatever that may be, if it's with work, if it's with life, if it's with both. And that's what it is. I think just listening to other people's perspectives on how they got to where they are and understanding how they feel in the process is really important because I feel like Instagram really just shows you one side of someone's life. So on today's episode, we hit topics about how she's doing mentally and spiritually. We talk about work and creativity, new hobbies that she's picked up on physically, how she's supporting her body and her nervous system. So all of that. That was a long intro, guys. Again, thank you for always tuning in and supporting me. I appreciate it more than you will ever know. I would not be able to do this. It was like a hobby that turned into work. And like, it's crazy that I get to do this and call it my job, but I love it so dearly. So thank you. And let's get into the episode. Before we get into that episode, I have a quick message from a brand that I've been a fan of for almost five years now, and I've been using their products regularly. So today's sponsor is Moon Juice, and let's talk a little bit about them. Moon Juice brings the tools to unstress, adaptogens, mushrooms, clinical level active food, supplements, and skincare. All of the ingredients Moon Juice uses are 100% traceable, unadulterated, and sustainably sourced. One of their best-selling adaptogenic supplements is one of my personal favorite products that I have been using for two years now, and that is SuperU. SuperU is an adaptogenic supplement for daily stress management, and it helps improve energy, mood, and focus with its clinical strength blend of four potent adaptogens that are traditionally used in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. So just a note on stress, ongoing stress can trigger increased cortisol and can manifest as inflammation, exhaustion, lack of focus, or Ability. On a personal level, I know that firsthand stress is not something that you can easily control because it can be caused in various areas of your life. And for myself personally, I'm very self-aware of the fact that I'm not able to just turn it off or on and like control it naturally. So I do use SuperU as one of my many methods of my support system when tackling and combating it. Lemon Water listeners, of course, I have a code for you, and I'm really excited to share that for this week only, you get 20% off your purchase of any Moon Juice product over at moonjuice.com. So let me know if you get something and let me know how it goes. And yeah, now to our episode. Hi, Tess. Hi. How are you? How is your day? What's going on today? Oh, I'm so happy to be talking right now. Talking in general. No, talking to you. I feel like we're overdue for like a catch up. I know. Like we haven't had a phone catch up in a bit. So this is actually just going to be a catch up for us a little bit. So for those of you listening, like Tessa and I literally have these chats once every like two weeks and we just like vent. (laughs) and catch each other up. I feel like we're doing our regular catch up as a podcast, which I've never done before. We're doing our regular catch up with an agenda. (laughs) Like we just have a loose agenda, which honestly, in a way though, that kind of seems like a recipe for adulthood conversations, because you know how sometimes you have these catch ups with people. And then after you get off the phone, you're like, damn it, we forgot to talk about that one thing. Like what's going on? And then you don't get to talk about it for like another three weeks or something. 100%. So we came with agenda items. However, when I'm like calling you on my walk, I'm not going to whip out my notebook filled with agenda. Of course not. So doesn't know who Tessa is. Tessa, brief synopsis, just like small, short, because we'll get into more of who you are, what you do. So I'm a graphic designer and design director. I'm freelance. So I run my own design account called Subliming, 
I also do design and design direction for Atmos, the climate magazine, and Reset, who was a past guest, Liz from Reset. So I do design and design direction for Liz as well, and then a bunch of other random stuff. We love the Reset account. You are a genius. You make it make sense and you um, make it visually appealing to the masses. Thank you. I try. Okay. So what's been going on with you? What is new? What have you been up to? What have you been focusing on the past few months? Well, today I'm calling from my new-ish studio. I moved in like last month in Greenpoint. And today I came and set it up a little bit nicer because it's been, you know, a process. So I'm doing that, setting it up. Today I set up my pegboard and hung up all my paints and all my supplies. Looking at it right now and it feels like kid in a candy store vibes. It's so cool to see all my work, all my tools up and organized, which is really nice. I'm doing Sober October right now. So I've had a lot of great clarity this past month. And then, yeah, just like kind of planning and like preparing for fall and winter, getting some travel kind of in the books, have some weddings coming up and some hobbies and fun types of things that I'm trying to like get on my calendar that feel like fun and nourishing sort of like indoor activities to get me through the winter. Okay, so a lot of parts of what you just said. Let's talk about your studio space because from the internet-facing world, Tessa, is you are known to be this graphic designer, multidisciplinary designer, but now you are like really testing the waters with paint, which I think is so awesome, and creating things. And I love that. I want to talk about how you kind of wanted to spread your wings but also kind of like stretch from what you were like really quote-unquote like limited and how you're finding it and how it's personal to you and all of that how's that been well it's funny because it's like almost less about spreading my wings and more so like going back to my roots because I only became a graphic designer I mean I actually played around like you could technically say I've been a graphic designer since I was 12 so if we wanted to go there. But at the same time, my creative foundation is like painting and illustration. I've been doing that since I was three years old. Every day, that is all that I did growing up was draw and paint and draw and paint. And not saying I was any good, but it was like what came naturally to me. And then as like the computer era came about and in middle school, when I was playing around on MySpace all the time, my dad got us Photoshop as a way to like It was probably per my mom's request as a way to like get us to be creative digitally, you know? I really just painted my whole life. And in college, I was an advertising major, but I would paint all the time. I would draw all the time. And then I really just kind of, you know, like in New York, you just don't really have the space. I didn't have the space and I didn't have the money for a studio space, especially because I wasn't really painting enough to think that I needed it. But what's really great now about moving into the studio is that it also, it's like, it's not just a studio, it's an office. So I feel like I get the best of both worlds where I can come here and focus and and work on design stuff in the process of getting a monitor here because I don't have a monitor at either of my places, which is like psychotic for my eyes and my back. So trying to get a, a monitor here and just like really set it up and like get a printer, get more like storage space so that it really is like a flushed out office slash studio, you know, and then this really becomes like my creative haven. But in terms of the painting, it's funny because I think when I decided that I was going to like go back to painting like last year, I guess, it was kind of a haphazard decision. Like, I think I underestimated it, obviously, how much work and dedication it took to really like find your voice as a as a painter. And it's just funny when I think back about how when I started, I was like, I want to have a show by summer. And like, I want to have like, my work in a gallery. And now I'm just like, Oh, my God, this is if I actually really want to do this, this has absolutely nothing to do with having a show. This has nothing to do with selling my work. And having timelines. 
Absolutely. And I think I just got ahead of myself and I like posted some of my paintings and now I'm kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like I just want to do this for me. And, and if we get there where we feel good about it and we want to put this into the world, that's amazing. But right now I'm like, I just want to play around on a canvas and not look at a screen and have organic shapes, organic textures and be able to create colors with my hands in that way and not just pick it on a color wheel. And it's such a more intentional process. I did not realize how absolutely spoiled I was with the Adobe Suite and being able to change the color of something if it's not just quite right and just change just a millimeter away to where it was and it being right or getting to just try it in like seven different colors and just toggle between what I wanted, you know, and and decide what I wanted that way. Now I'm like, oh, right. That's what studies are for. That's literally why hundreds of years ago, people would do artist studies. They would make a painting like seven times before they would actually do the famous painting that's on the museum walls because they needed to test, you know, and they couldn't just like delete the layer and like do it again. You know what I mean? Or like pixel push it a little bit to the right. And so like, I didn't realize how insanely spoiled I was with all of that. So yeah, I'm getting back to my roots. It's also kind of like you will talk more about subliming and that whole thing. I don't like calling it a thing, but like that that era, but it's like you're kind of getting reacquainted with with craft that, you know, you grew up doing and you kind of not want to perfect it, but you want to be like fully comfortable before you want to like show it to the world. And another test, it's like with, subliming it quickly for you became something that you didn't really love we'll talk more about that but I just feel like you are holding painting the act of painting so close to your heart because it's still so special and it's still so natural to you let's talk more about your childhood growing up in Florida how was that Oh my God, it was so fun well it's funny because it's I went New York to Florida and back to New York because I was technically until I was 10, I lived in, well, I was born in California. Then I only moved there, moved to New York, Buffalo, New York when I was three. So it's not like I lived in California for a long time. From three to 10, I lived in this little cute little village called Williamsville. And that was amazing. We had like block parties, like every summer we'd block off the road and we were like family friends and like friends with all of the families on the street. So like all my best friends and all my sister's best friends. And then we moved to Florida, but I also loved that because to me, I was, we used to vacation in Florida, classic. And so I was like, we're moving to where we would vacation. So you mean I live on vacation now? Like my life is vacation. So I thought it was great. I loved it. I love Florida. I still love Florida, obviously on the basis of like the lush and vibrant nature that it is obviously don't love its politics it's a different country it's literally a different country it's insane my best friend still lives there so I do have connection and and my parents still live there too but it was so fun I think that's really where I got more in touch with nature because you could be in nature year-round and you could appreciate you know I love bugs I have my personal Instagram deactivated right now but like when it is active like there's a lot of bug pics like I just think bugs are like the coolest thing in the world and there's obviously a lot of bugs in Florida so I think that's really I got like where I got acquainted with like the vibrancy of nature and how lush and beautiful it can be I miss it I miss the warmth but I'm going back next month well I'm jealous I would like some heat we want to touch on a little bit about subliming, which started off 2016. So you used it as an outlet to kind of, you know, merge together graphic design, of course, and then spirituality, also using quotes and sayings that spoke to you and do speak to you, whether it's like learning something that you're reading or something that you see. I want you to share your story about that and then just get into it from there. It was 2016. I had just gotten dumped from a guy that I like was in denial about classic college, post-college relationship where they don't really want anything to do with you. And you think that they are God's gift to earth. 
So I was dumped. And then I, because of the fact that I was so codependent, I had no sense of an identity in any capacity. So it really, really shook me to my core because there was absolutely, I had no hobbies, no interests, no nothing really. You know, I, I was obviously creative and I, I was, you know, working as a graphic designer, but I was at a job. This is part of the kind of like equation. I was at a job for a social media agency that was just super duper, duper commercial. And like, I had a client, I kind of like ran the entire client, like, but I did everything. It was a very small agency. So I did copy, I did email design, I did social media design and and copy and direction and a whole bunch of other stuff like videos. And I don't even remember anymore. So much weird and random stuff, but it was like for like a Southern chain restaurant. (laughs) So it was absolutely just soul sucking because I was talking about like free pie Wednesday and like kids eat free. And it was just absolutely heinous. When I think of in-house graphic designers who (laughs) are art, like you're an artist, like any graphic designer I believe is an artist, but then they are put into this box that they're literally doing like graphics and logos for 3% APR financing. Like I can't imagine what the like designer is when they're like setting up that graphic. Day to day, having no, you are not allowed to experiment. You are not allowed to do anything. Oh my God. It was like, and I'm even recalling now, like, okay, they were, because they were Southern, right? So they were like, veterans day like every type of they would do all these like giveaways because you know it was a thriving business nor was the social media accounts really like thriving either right and it was kind of not trying to be ageist or anything no shade to like boomers but it was just like a lot of boomers that were like I went last Sunday and my pie was cold or like my I got the wrong food and so then towards the end I think I tried to hand off this part of the role but I definitely there was a lot of times where I was like responding to like 75 year old Linda's comments and trying to like offer her a gift card and like get her email to like send it to like headquarters and it was just you look at you're like I and granted I didn't go to art school so there's that I studied advertising but I'm still just like I grew up an artist in my life and this is what I'm doing right now. I'm like emailing Linda back and forth to get her a $15 gift card so she can stop complaining about her cold meal. Like all that to say, you know, one, I was dumped and depressed. I had nothing going on. Two, working at a soul sucking job. And then three, I, because I think of this perfect sort of storm of like too much time to think, I got really obsessed about my appearance and my weight for the first time in my life. And I became obsessed and started overthinking everything that I put into my body. So that also kind of all combined and I became very, very lost. And I really discovered spirituality for the first time around this time. In that past year, I had started going to yoga And I found this amazing yoga studio that was like kind of in the like lush Florida forest. And it was like a log cabin called the Lotus Pond. And I would go to these classes. Of course, I'm like broke working my first job. So I could only afford the like donation based class every Monday. But it was actually amazing. And it truly was my form of church. And it's actually still the best yoga class that I've ever been to because it's the most spiritual yoga class I've ever been to. I still haven't been to one in New York that really seems to embody like, again, I don't know how hard I've tried, but like that seems to embody a little bit more of like traditional Buddhist ideology. She would kind of give a little bit of like, I guess like a call it like a sermon every week before class. And we would really dive into a certain topic And throughout the class, she would kind of keep bringing it up and really make sure that this sort of like spiritual intention was remembered throughout the whole session, which is amazing. And so I think starting to learn yoga and learning about some other spiritual teachings, I just started to research more and more. And then I kind of just thought one day, I remember I was sitting in 
my office at work and I went over to the two other graphic designers. You guys are funny buddy, like with the graphic designers. <laughs> no, oh my God. I can't even, I could go on. The, this one girl, I mean, she would like bring this like knife that her dad made for her like every day to work and like talk about how her dad carved it for her. And we didn't see eye to eye a lot of times. But to be honest, I knew that I had actually reached a really dark place when I actually started getting along with that girl. And I was like trying to just like see past our differences. And again, that's like, I guess a good thing to do, right? Not to just be like full of hate for everyone around you. But I was like, I need to get the hell out of Florida if I'm like joking around and like shooting the shit with this girl right now. I was like, who have I become? So yeah, I go over to these two. One of them was great, but still go over to these two girls. And I was like, you know, I was like, I just want to run something by you guys. Like, you know how there's all these kind of like quote pages on Instagram, but they're like screenshots of screenshots of screenshots that have like filters on filters on filters. And they're like all just that like now you would find on Facebook. Exactly. That they don't even almost exist anymore. Like, I don't even think I see them anymore, but they were like so bad. Right. Or there was all of these sort of like really niche, not in the mainstream, like you only had to be a graphic designer to even know what to look for type of pages about like lettering artists. And there would be like this amazing, you know, they'd make something that said like Monday or whatever, or just like a random word in this like amazing type treatment, but it held no meaning. And so there wasn't really like, you couldn't really feel anything about it. You just be like, oh, that's cool. So like as a graphic designer, I could appreciate it, but like I wanted to kind of incorporate the two. And I was like, I've never seen kind of a combination of the, both of these. Have you? And they were both like, no, not really. And I was like, I think I'm going to start it. Like, I think I'm going to do that. So I did. And obviously it was like very, very, very low stakes. I probably had like a thousand or 2000 followers on my personal Instagram. Oh, okay. So start for your personal Instagram, like people. Yeah. I did probably like six posts or something, like literally probably like zero followers or like had told like my just very best friends about it. Like, you know, and then I remember I made a post on my personal Instagram and it was like, I I do have the screenshot of it on Tessa Forest on my Instagram that I like deactivated, but it's in a carousel somewhere. And I has the timestamp on it too. And it was like August 16th, like 2016 or something. And it was like, Hey guys, just made this random page just thought I would use it as a brain dump and to like practice typography and design quotes that really sit with me. Feel free to follow it or don't like whatever, you know, like I didn't give a shit. And yeah, it just kind of took off from there. I definitely think like they were nowhere near what they look like now, not even close. Cause the thing is, it was kind of more like an exercise in creativity Like I kind of wanted to make one every day. And mind you, this is usually when I was like goofing off at work and I was like supposed to be working. So I wasn't really like sitting there and like going in and like spending all of this time to craft this like gorgeous, beautiful, like unique looking quote. I was kind of just playing around with type and color, finding typefaces that I thought were cool, color combinations that I thought were cool, nothing crazy. And it kind of just spiraled from there and then by that time next year I had like I think like 14,000 followers you were working at well I hadn't even started working there yet so then a year later I decided which is crazy that that all happened in a year when I look back on it wow really on subliming right now I'm just like taken if you scroll all the way back you kind of get back but I've archived so many things it's not even funny yeah no no you could tell I could tell you were cut then a year later, I decide I'm going to move to New York. And so I quit that agency job and I moved to New York and I got a job at Outdoor Voices. So the actually Ty Haney followed Subliming already at this point. And they're during this era, it's kind of embarrassing to say now because of all the memes, but I was like obsessed with Girl Boss and Sophia Amoruso. I mean, Nasty Gal had not tanked at this point. It was thriving. I loved their clothes. Like, I loved the girl boss thing. It was inspiring. We love the Jeffrey Campbell Lita's. Like, love. oh my God, the Lita's, everything. So I never used hashtags on subliming, but I would tag her and I would like tag girl boss and I would like tag refinery 29. Again, this gives you an idea of like what my vibe was at this time. 
No, but I mean, we all, we all grow and learn. And I was what, 23 years old, you know, a girl from Florida, you build taste over time. You're not born with taste. You know what I mean? So it's just how things go. So I do think that that's probably how in some way Ty followed me and I got connected to Ty probably through Sophia. Cause I do think at this point she had been reposting me a couple times. I even did start to do some work for girl boss freelance here and there. And so she followed it. And then this like temp gig at OV opened up. They just like needed literally a temp graphic designer. And I had just the week before gotten in with this temp gig or with this temp agency. And so they hit me up and they were like, you know, we have an opening or whatever, outdoor voices. Are you familiar? And I was like, hell yes. Like I'm there. And I went in on the first day and I just busted my ass and really just worked super, super hard. And I think everyone else kind of from this temp agency were just kind of like flaky and weren't really, I think, super strong like designers. And I think culturally too, they might not have fit. So I kind of just went in and really like tried my hardest to feel like cool and chill and nonchalant, but like be a good sport and have a good attitude. And I was really fast too, pretty fast graphic designer. So I got in and and then, yeah, the rest is history. So much to unpack. Well, first of all, you're literally sitting at half a million followers, which is like crazy. And not that fault, like it's a, a number that matters. It's just the pressure of so many eyes on you at all times and your work. So a couple of things that I do want to discuss. First being like in a million years, did you ever think it was going to be what it is now and the opportunities that came? Because the collaborations that you've done since starting Subliming have been like incredible. Thank you for reminding me how far I've come. Yeah, I don't know. I think like at first I had really low stakes, but I will say, I think when it really did start to kind of blow up and I felt like everywhere I looked, I was like seeing my own work on Instagram, like around like 100 something K, I guess. I did have a good feeling about it. I did feel that it really was something special because it wasn't anywhere else. You weren't seeing this type of content anywhere else. And I did feel really good about it in that it was like, you know, I've said this before and you even said this, like it, it literally was a way to process my own emotions. So like started off like brain dump, whatever, playing around. But as it grew, I was like, at the end of the day, coming home after work and like I was in feeling things and still going through like either my breakup or like my relationship with my body and food or like, you know, some stuff with family was going on. And I was taking all of those feelings and finding messages that like spoke to me and processing my feelings through making these posts. So it felt really good. And I did feel hopeful and special about it, knowing that it was like therapeutic for me. It felt like, and other people loved it so much. Like the amount of validation that I got from people, all of the comments, but then also all of the private messages of people DMing me and like giving me a little snippet of something that they were going through personally and like how much the page was impacting them. Because again, like it really was introducing a lot of people to these kind of higher level spiritual concepts that weren't as mainstream and like Obviously, I want to put in the caveat that like, you know, I'm a white woman and these are traditional and ancient teachings in a lot of ways. And that like, you could say I co-opted it, but I also would say that I think it, it helped a lot of people. It helped a lot of people to like see things in a different light than they ever had before. So that was really special. But as that pressure did build, as the following built, that was hard. And I think that's kind of why I got to where I'm at now, which is, I wouldn't say a standstill, but I'm not just trying to pump it out. I think we did get to a point where I was like, I felt pressure to create more as everyone was receiving the content so well. But then there was also kind of this underbelly where people started to like fight each other in my comments if they didn't understand or if they didn't agree or if they thought it could be taken the wrong way. I got a lot of trolls. 
taking a quick little break from that episode with a message from our sponsors over at Moon Juice. So we mentioned Super You as our daily stress supporter to help us throughout the day. But there's also something that can help us when we're trying to wind down in the nighttime. So magnesium is a bright pink, berry flavored, unstressing drink formulated with three bioavailable forms of magnesium and L-theanine for relaxation, brain health, and sleep. And that's where the unstressed stack comes in. A bundle containing Super U and magnesium for stress relief from sunup to sundown together, making it super easy and simple to use daily. So two caps of Super U in the AM and one teaspoon of magnesium dissolved in some water at night. And there you have it. So code lemon water gets you 20% off the stack over at moonjuice.com for this week only. But it's not just for the stack. If you're interested in anything else on the site, the code is available for you to use. So let me know what you get. Now back to the episode. And how did you deal with that? It's so interesting like to just hear you talk about it because we've spoken about this before and it's more so it's like you're the artist. This is your interpretation, like however you're designing a quote, a saying, whatever. And then going through the comments, like at times I'm literally like, do these people have nothing else to do? Can I find you a hobby? Can I find you an activity? Because if you don't like someone, just don't follow them. It's like way easier. And it's like, there's just so many like worse people, I think, kind of to like fight in the world. And and it's like such a bummer, I think, how people were all fighting like the wrong people and we're all just caught up, like kind of woke policing each other or just not even like just trolling each other you know and just unnecessary comments and judgments and but I think what was also hard too was like seeing kind of an influx of stuff that looked like mine everywhere else too and feeling really threatened because before I didn't really see many things that looked like mine and then suddenly it was everywhere and I think my ego was just so in there where I wanted to feel special and unique and this felt like mine and how dare these kind of other people just take my work. Cause like some of it was quite literally just straight up complete copying. And sometimes it wasn't, sometimes it was clearly more like inspired by, but either way it all threw me for a loop and I could not get over it. And it just drove me insane And I think now I'm completely over that hump, thank God. Because it was just really like, I think the whole thing was just taking it all so seriously, taking myself so seriously. And just like, now I'm kind of in a place where like, it's all neither here nor there. I just got to keep doing my own thing, being myself and kind of just focusing on myself. But for a while there, the outside pressure, the trolls, kind of all of these sort of like ripoffs and copycats, it just became so much and I handled it by simply stopping posting. I've probably posted like less than 10 times in the past year, maybe, maybe less. Doing it, doing it now with intention. I think also all of this actually did happen during the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I think your page was seen as like a safe place for a lot of people to visit. Like this is, motivating me. It's getting me through whatever I'm going through. And then, as you mentioned, more and more people started just like, people are home. They have time to work on their craft, which is absolutely great. But all these accounts were coming up that were literally pumping out content and not once, but twice a day. And you were able to like take the step back and be like, okay, this is for me, a toxic environment. This is not why I'm here. What are your boundaries with that? And like, also, how are you now? I think you've already said like you have your studio space, you're working on painting, but you're not. When the time is right, you'll show it. So what else are you doing in terms of like, kind of like resisting this internet culture, Instagram account side hustle thing? Well, I think it's also like, I think part of it too was during the pandemic, the world got light shined on its underbelly and to be honest 
I did not think it was wise to talk about like appreciating the present moment when people are dying with cameras on them by the hands of police or people are dying of COVID all across the globe. I'm like, how am I supposed to talk about like, and to be honest, it's not that I wouldn't even say that a lot of the teachings that I try to share are necessarily about like positivity. Like I'm pretty kind of past that. And one of my favorite teachers is Pema Chodron and her whole thing really is kind of like leaning into that kind of the groundlessness of life. And I myself really wasn't seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. And so I felt like, how am I supposed to share messages when all I want to say is some suicidal shit or like just some pretty dark stuff? I didn't feel like I could say anything when I really just felt like existence was very, very dark and tragic. And like all I could see and feel was like the complete just horror of humanity and to be honest, sometimes I still feel that. Sometimes I'm still just kind of like, I don't really know how to like feel that gratitude sometimes when other people are, are suffering at such high extents. But all that to say, I do think time off and time apart was really helpful for me because I think in general, it helped me to really just like sit with myself and having a little bit of patience with that horror. I don't know if I want to even say like acceptance, because in a way, I think that sounds sort of like defeating. But I think you do have to take care of yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. And when you are so consumed with everything horrible that's going around you in the whole world, you you can't do anything about it. You're like paralyzed with like fear and desperation and hopelessness. And I really, really, really felt that last year. And I think a lot of people felt that way last year where everyone was just paralyzed by like the fear of the future of, of the earth. Like there was no way that I could believe like anyone that said like, oh, the future is bright. I was like, you are delusional. Like you can't possibly say that. And you kind of almost have to, or you don't have to, but for me, the way that I almost came back around was by kind of driving myself to such a low point by just being so consumed by like the darkness and being like, well, this clearly is not stable. You know, this is not sustainable. Like I can't keep doing this. And half of that is that sort of like content culture. And so it just, it's like, there's just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in this just, meaningless and and vapid culture of Instagram where everything just feels like it almost means nothing and there's just such an oversaturation everything just sort of goes in one ear and out the other because you see it you scroll double tap and then you just keep going right it starts to feel like it's just sand like coming through your fingers like nothing really like means anything anymore I think just kind of going back to answering your question, I think I've just slowed down a lot. I would say like a through line is patience, like for all of it, because I think part of it was like, okay, I need to start painting to kind of like come up with my other thing, because if I don't have another thing, then subliming isn't enough of a thing. And then who am I? And where is my value? And I think you just get so caught up into like, needing this internet points or something, which is just so, it means absolutely nothing. And to continuously stay relevant. Right. Oh my God. Which is just a losing game. You know what I mean? There is no way you can win that game, no matter how high to the top that you get, you get to the top and then it's downhill. You know what I mean? Like it is just, you just don't even try, you know, like it is just not worth it. So yeah, just like patience and being like, I don't need to share my paintings yet. I don't need to post on subliming to stay relevant. When I want to make something, I make it. And it's really rewarding. And it does actually lately, when I do post something, it really reminds me of how it felt in those early days when I was kind of like on the up and up. And it felt like it was cathartic. And everyone like loved it and received it so well. And again, I don't want to say it like, oh, I'm doing it for the validation. But it's just so nice to feel like held by your community and like to have people be like, Oh, 
I love this. I'm so happy you shared. We're like, we missed you. And I feel like just letting there be space in between all of that and not just forcing yourself to fill a silence or like fill a void. That's been super helpful for me. And then, yeah, just like getting off Instagram, like not even being on Instagram. And putting yourself first. Putting yourself first is pretty much, I think, the key to survival on this planet. Because, I mean, this has been like the biggest lesson for me lately. It's like when I'm putting myself first, I can give so much more. Like putting myself first, it's better for everyone when I do that. I'm going to be more patient with you. I'm going to be more giving with you, more generous. I'm going to have more energy and be more creative and more collaborative and more solution-oriented. But when you're in this sort of constant like defensiveness because you don't feel secure in yourself and that you haven't been pouring love into yourself, you're constantly on the defense and the offense kind of at the same time. Like you're kind of always like trying to prove yourself and and kind of like start an argument where there's not one and hoarding what's yours and like feeling like you deserve more than, you know, what you've been given when you're loving yourself and making sure that you are constantly feeding yourself with that validation, then you're going to give that away. You know what I mean? You're going to give so much love away and so many resources. And when you come from things with a really insecure and scarcity mindset, you are going to hoard resources. You're going to hoard kindness. You're going to hoard generosity and you are not going to, you're not going to give away freely. And that's been huge for me. That's really true. Okay. You were also, I saw that you were reading the book that I think Liz recommended because it's a Liz recommended, like more about like healing your inner child and all of that. So how have you been finding it? And like, what have you kind of like learned about that topic? It's kind of like everything. It's called Reconciliation. It's by Thich Nhat Hanh. And it's amazing. I think what I struggled with like in therapy and then my like spiritual teachings is like they were kind of always felt at odds. Like I'd be in therapy and I'd be like, I feel so much rage and I'm so angry and all of these human emotions, right? And then I would like spiritually bypass myself and I'd be like, no, just like return your attention to the present moment, breathe, like look at something like six feet in front of you. Like in a way I wasn't observing my emotions. I was just almost deflecting them by like being quote unquote mindful. And this book really melds the two practices together and is about really, really sitting with all of those really, really intense emotions that come up. And I mean, I read the first like three pages and I was just sobbing because it's like an amazing just sort of summary of kind of what the rest of the book is going to talk about. And it just talks about like sitting with your inner child and like when your child, he just says your child. And he's like, when your child feels like they have to cry, sit there and cry with them. Invite your child to come look at the sunset with you. And just these types of things where you're kind of always... It's like your your inner child's like your little your little sibling, like your little buddy, and you kind of almost imagine them right alongside you when you're doing these things or feeling really, really tough emotions, and you're like cradling them, but then also crying, you know what I mean, and it's this like extremely therapeutic visualization, and I think really just showering yourself and your inner child with like endless compassion and love has been the most transformative thing for me. I think I realized like my purpose as a human is to love myself. Like I think some people, you know, it's like to use their voice and speak up. Like some people are really timid or some others is like to go after their dreams because they always sell themselves short, like things like that. But for mine, it's like true self-acceptance and self-love because having a low self-esteem is what kind of that lesson that keeps coming back over and over and over, you know, like every few months, every few years, I get back to this place and I'm like, how am I here again? And I think I see a lot of progress in other parts of my life in terms of like self-improvement, but like rooted, like a foundation of self-esteem is like not something that I carry. 
And I realized it's, you know, it's generational. Like I wasn't ever really modeled it growing up by either of my parents or really my siblings. And I was the youngest, but I don't think it was for my parents either. And so I think it's sort of this generational wound that has been passed along multiple generations. So I wasn't really modeled it, nor did I inherit it. And really kind of, I think like pinpointing what that was for me has made it so much easier to begin to heal it. Because I think sometimes you kind of just, you feel like there's so many things to kind of cover, right? And like take care of and, and like fix about yourself or whatever. But I think sort of like pinpointing like where that biggest wound is, is kind of like the seed that takes care of so many of your other things. So that's been huge for me. It's also like, I would say, maybe the biggest and hardest to like break and break by break. I mean, like slowly and surely like chip away at what it is and, you know, helping it and nurturing it and kind of like supporting it because it's rooted so deep. Oh my God, it's so deep. And if you don't have that practice from a young age. But who would? Some some people. <laughs> my boyfriend, for example, he's just like, I like myself and I, uh, like, yeah, I'm worthy at all times. <laughs> Many don't know, but you do have scoliosis, which is cool. And I just want to know that kind of like, what have you been doing physically to kind of like help yourself over the past few months like what's been working for you what hasn't been working for you also how was it when you first found out that you had this obviously you were a child right you know at a young age and that'd be really really fucking scary well to be honest I was in therapy yesterday actually and I remember I brought something up to my therapist and and he said how did that feel to hear that when you were younger and I was like to be honest I didn't really care I didn't really get it like actually hearing it when I was older is what like fucked me up I didn't really understand the gravity of things I was thinking I was very 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 naive when I was young but anyways my older sister had scoliosis and so when I found out that I had it I was just like oh yeah like I think that my parents just sort of like downplayed it and didn't let me freak out like they kind of made me feel like it wasn't a big deal And to be honest, I wasn't experiencing pain yet, right? Like it was only just starting to happen. So it's not like I was like, you couldn't really tell physically, you know, visually, you could see a slight curve, but like I wasn't being ostracized by my peers or anything. And, and so I was pretty okay with it, but I did get a brace in middle school, but that I didn't wear because, you know, like, what are you going to do when you're like 12 years old? And this thing is this contraption that you're supposed to sleep in and you like Velcro it shut. It's like a plastic corset type thing. And on one end, it goes all the way down to past your hip. So you can't even like put your leg out because it blocks your leg. And you're then you're supposed to sleep in this thing. And you know, I'm 12 years old. It's pushing my body the opposite way that it's naturally growing. And you don't have self-discipline. You don't understand the consequences of your actions at that age. I wasn't really a religious wearer of my brace, no matter how hard my parents tried to make me wear it. I would just take it off in the middle of the night because what are you going to do? So anyways, all that to say now I'm regretting it. (laughs) I'm like having so much pain. I have a lot of hip and leg pain and knee pain. But I'm trying to figure out like what to do, you know, like you were telling me about going to an osteopath and I want to do that. Yes. So I haven't even like spoken to the world about my experience because I'm very like, I want to make sure something works before I like get online and be like, this is what I've been doing. And this is what everyone should be doing. Cause like, that's just, you know, that doesn't work, but I have been seeing an osteopath and I'd I'm very confidently saying it's like my sixth week of treatment. But Tess, I did have a bit of a really horrible ovulation flare up. And so my hip has been out for like a week and a half. Yeah, I just, I had treatment yesterday and I'm actually going to go again this week on Friday. And like, I went through this horrible rabbit hole because it's like, I, you know this, but for those listening, like if I'm 
when something is wrong with me physically, like my anxiety is so bad that it's like, I think of the worst, of course. And I name three diseases that I may potentially have. And like myself that I am dying. I have a few months, like it's, it's really toxic. It's very horrible. So when this is all happening, I'm just like in the most depressing, sad mood because I'm like, well, my back, it's okay. Oh my gosh. Like I'm fine today. I don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. With all that to say, I really think you should try it. Osteopathy is so cool. It is so awesome. And it's not, how do I describe it? It's like not chiropractor. Like they don't crack anything, but they manipulate your spine. They manipulate your bones. And I think you would love it. Even if you just go for like one. Is that the same thing as, have you heard of Rolfing? Rolfing? Oh, what the Okay, apparently it's like amazing. And my friend sent it to me. I found there's a girl who does it in Greenpoint. And I don't know, apparently I looked it up and I mean, it's like golfing, but with an R. Yeah, I see it. And it's supposed to be great. And I was looking into it and I just, I'm like trying to figure out when I'm going to do it because it looks like it's like a 10 session thing. But I looked and like found some pretty decent like before and afters. And I mean, I just want to try anything and feel any relief because I mean, the kicker is that I went to a spine specialist last week and not that I thought that they were really going to say anything, but I thought, you know, you just hope maybe they're going to be like, oh, let's just do this. And maybe that'll take a lot of the pressure off, whatever. They're just like, there's literally, there's nothing, just, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing. Just keep doing what you're doing. I hate that. I hate that. No, it's the most toxic thing that like, it does say that rolling might be the answer to chronic pain. It looks, the, the scoliosis before and after was, I'm not, you know, it wasn't like it strained the spine or anything. It looks like it kind of can in children when your like spine is still growing, but Overall, I'm just so interested in trying anything that really helps me. So I think I'm going to try it. It looks like it's like 10 sessions. There's a girl who does it in Greenpoint. So let me know how that goes. Marshall and I just stretch every morning. We wake up every morning and we stretch together. So because we're both just like getting so crickety he has his back issues from surfing he hurt his back again while he was surfing a couple weeks ago marshall is my boyfriend for people who don't know and and so we just both go go out into the living room we used to do it on the patio because we have a large patio but now it is cold so we both just sit in the living room and we just stretch every morning and just groan it out as we're like really oh yeah <laughs> so important especially because marshall works at the desk you are literally on a computer yeah we're both just on our, our computers and i don't have an ergonomic chair really here but at home i'm like in like a mid-century cantilever chair like i am in like the worst chair i could it doesn't like have a spot for my butt like i could like slide through the back like it's it's not even uh what is it a 90 degree angle it's like tighter it's like a like 65 degree angle like it comes up so i'm not even just like bent i'm like fully crunched and my hip and my psoas get so tight that front muscle there oh my god i could talk about this for hours sorry Guys, Tessa and I are just not here to complain about how old and cracky we're getting. But seriously, I just want for those listening to just understand how important it is to take care of ourselves. Like literally like take care of your body, take care of your back, your joints, your hip. Like it is so important. And I know that like majority of us are just working at a desk all friggin' day. And it is so we don't think about it. We don't think to step away. We don't think go on a walk, stretch yourself. Like I don't even do. Also, if you're like younger, if you're younger and listening to this, just like it is not too early. Do not wait. Like do not wait until things are hurting. Start now. Like start yesterday. Like start now. It's like the infomercials or like the the commercials or like those people would try to get people to sign up for like online college like it's not too late start today start your career now but like for real start 
today. Whatever you do. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love you. You are like literally top five favorite humans in my life. I can't wait for you to come back. I want to be neighbors again. We were neighbors, everyone who, who's listening. Before Michelle went back to Canada, we literally were two streets away. And it was, there's nothing better than a friend two streets away who could just pop over. Literally me popping over with food all the time. Oh my God. And gifts and treats. Oh my God. It was so fun. And there's so much new yummies that open up in Greenpoint. So we really don't even have to, we don't have to leave the area anymore. We can stay within the three blocks Oh. I'm going to be back so soon. I feel it in my little bones. <laughs> when do you think? I'm going to Montreal in November, maybe, maybe after that. I know for sure, like holiday time, but you won't be there, right? I don't think so. We don't know yet, though. We're, we're trying to plan it out. We'll figure it out. Tess, I love you so much. You are always filled with so much insight. You're also such a good friggin' friend truly well for those listening tess is off her personal ig she will be back soon she comes in waves i'm speaking on behalf of her she will be back it's true it's true though but subliming is there there's something really fun coming out soon next month early next month keep your eyes peeled early november yeah early november so great i'm really looking forward to that and guys follow atmos follow reset ny and I think that's it.